Amen. Thank you, Kawasaki family. Um, Merry Christmas. It's a, it's a blessing to be together as a church family, uh, English and Nichigo, and uh, thank you for those of you joining us online and joining us for our Christmas Eve service to worship the birth of our Lord and Savior. You know, I'm going to, uh, in this devotional, just take a little uh, walk back in time for, um, for our family and uh, reflect a little bit on uh, the past, oh, I don't know, 20 years or so. Uh, it was almost 20 years ago that Renee and I uh, took a weekend trip to Utah. And uh, I was working, I was doing consulting, and I was working on a project in Seattle. So I would go to Seattle every week. Um, and uh, um, when we planned this trip to go to Salt Lake City, then uh, I planned to fly. I flew from Seattle directly to Salt Lake City. And uh, Renee. Uh, she, she flew from, from here in uh, Burbank Airport. And we met in Salt Lake City. Uh, and we went just for the weekend. So at that time, almost 20 years ago, uh, we didn't have kids, right? We were freed up. Um, and, and I traveled a lot for work, so it kind of piled on the, you know, the, the frequent flyer miles and the hotel points and things like that. And so this is something that we would do uh, every so often, you know, once in a while, we would find a weekend and we would meet up in a different city. And it was fun to be able to travel. It was fun to go and see other places, right? If you've done traveling, uh, it, it's neat to see other cities, other places, how people live in other parts of the country. But by 2002, okay, we had been married for 10 years already. So we got married in 92. We had been married for 10 years in 2002, and we wanted to start a family. In fact, we had wanted to start a family uh, a little bit before then, so, um, you know, I'll tell you about that. But, you know, getting pregnant and having kids is, is really only something God can control, right? I mean, as much as we try to plan things out, and we say, oh, you know, after we get married, right, we're going to have kids when we're 25 or when we're 30 years old or, or whatever, whatever it is. And it's really not completely up to us, right? If and when it happens, right, it, it's, it's up to the Lord. And I know this is a, this is a difficult issue, having kids, starting a family, right? It, it doesn't just always happen very easily. I know this is a difficult thing for many couples. In 2002, we went, uh, as I said, on this trip to Salt Lake City, and we had been trying for uh, several years at, at that point. And if I remember right, when I think back to the trip that we took, we had already been talking about the possibility of adoption and, and considering uh, adopting. We didn't know, right, if this was God's will for us as a family. Well, as it turned out, um, on that trip, um, in June 2002, on Father's Day, no less, uh, Renee took a pregnancy test, and we found out that she was expecting. Right? In, in the words of Scripture, she was with child. And so I dug up these pictures from 2002 
and uh, hopefully we can show this one. Uh, this is an ultrasound picture of Colson in 2002. Right? So he wasn't born yet. I don't know if this will work, but this, I think, is him. Right? I think. <laughs> you know, like the doctors right, and the nurses would say, oh, look at that. Right? They look at the ultrasound. They'd run the thing over. Renee's, Renee's tummy, right? And they're like, look at that, look at that. And I'm like, look at what? I, I have no idea what I'm looking at here, right? Like, what? Is that? What? <laughs> right? I have no idea, right? Um, this is Colson when he was eight weeks into the pregnancy, or we were eight weeks into the pregnancy. Now, here are pictures of the girls who came years later, Right? This, this is Avery. I, I really don't know if, like, if this is Avery or if this is Avery. Right? This is Avery, I think, at 20, uh, 24 weeks. Right? And then the next picture. Right? This is, okay, I can kind of see this one. Right? This is, I don't know if this, this is working. But uh, you can kind of see, right? this is Ellie. This is Ellie, our youngest, at 19 weeks. Now, Avery and Ellie have nothing to do with the story, but I figured I would give them equal time. (laughs) But many of you already know this, right? You've been through it. But once you know you're expecting, everything changes. Everything changes. I mean, your perspective changes. Your frame of mind changes. Your priorities usually change. And for us, that day in Salt Lake City, it changed everything. It changed how we we looked at our jobs. Should Renee still work? Should I keep consulting? Should I keep traveling for work? It changed how how we looked at our home. Was it big enough? Was it safe enough? Oh, why are these stairs here? <laughs> right? It changed how we look at our cars, our finances, our health, our lifestyle. Tonight, tonight we reflect on the birth of a baby that changed everything. He changed everything. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And the scripture will be up on the the screen. I'll read from, uh, starting in verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. 
Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Then jumping down to verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. See, we reflect and we think about the Christmas story, and in some ways, Jesus' birth, it was pretty inauspicious. Right? A poor young couple, unprepared for, for parenthood. And they're forced to go to Bethlehem because there's a census and their baby is due. Right? So they have to travel 90 miles to go to Bethlehem. And they end up in a manger. Right? It says there was no room for them. There was no room for them in the inn. There was no room for them in town. So it's just them, right, expecting their child. No help, no hospital, not even a bed, right? They're just making do, as as young couples often do. You know, I had this funny thought when I was preparing this, thinking that if the shepherds had gotten there just a little bit earlier, right, they probably would have had to help Joseph deliver the baby, Right, he would have been like, hey guys, right, can you give me a hand over here? Right? And they'd be like, what do we do? You know, like, start tearing some sheets. You know, boil some water. Do something. But as ordinary as it seemed, Jesus' birth changed everything. Just think what it did to Mary and Joseph's lives. You know, when you think more broadly, think how it changed the political and the social and the religious landscape of Jesus' time. What it meant for the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. Shepherds and wise men came to worship him. King Herod wanted to kill him. John the Baptist was born to prepare the way for him. Jesus' birth was a turning point in history. Just like the arrival of a child into our lives, right, into our homes, when Christ comes into a life, everything changes. This evening, I, I've asked uh, Larry Quinones if he would share, if he would come up and share just some of the things, some of the changes he's had to make since Jesus entered his life. Larry. I'm sorry for the bells. (laughs) They go with the outfit. And I think you guys know me already. 
Um, Pastor had asked me if I would uh, share something, and I, 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 don't, I know that in the beginning when I first came to the church, you guys might have heard a little bit of testimony from me and my daughter when my daughter ran away. Um, but I'd just like to start off with uh, reading a piece of scripture real quick. It's from Matthew 6, 14 and 15. It says, if, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty strong right there. Uh, forgiveness is everything. Being a Christian, we're supposed to uh, forgive on habit. It's supposed to be a habit to forgive. We wake up every morning, it's just like brushing your teeth. We're ready to forgive at a drop of a dime. But it's not that easy. And one way God told me, he said that if you want me to use you, because that's what you're telling me, then you need to work, you need to let me work from the inside before we work on the outside. You see, it's easy for us to pray for people and to ask God to change them. But what about us? We're sinners too, just like they are. So that being said, when my daughter took off and she ran away, there was a young man that came and got her. He was sneaking out of the house, feeding her drugs, we found out. She was doing Nas. They were doing cocaine. They were doing just about anything, you know. Um, and from the family that I've come from, you know, it's a strong Mexican family, and there's no crying. You stand up for what's right. You stand up and you fight, even if you're wrong. No crying. You're not a sissy. I never heard, I, I love you from my dad. And sometimes it, it hurt, you know. And I'm sure there's people in here that have the same story. But that being told, after my daughter come back, thank God, she would bug me, say, Dad, when do you want to meet this guy? Can you meet him, please? Can you meet him? Can you tell him, you know, can you just talk to him, please? And I was like, I don't have nothing to say to that young man. I said, I'm not going to do it right now. So a couple weeks go by, and it happened to be on February 14th, Valentine's Day. All of a sudden, I hear this voice say, are you ready? And I'm like, ready? For what? He says, you're going to talk to him today. And I said, I don't know who you're talking about, Lord. He said, you're going to talk to the young man that your daughter's been asking you to talk to. Boy, oh boy. You should have seen when I told my wife he told me to do that. She, she almost lost it. She said, well, what did he tell you to say to him? I said, he told me that I was going to forgive him. That I was going to tell him, I'm sorry. And that if he wanted to have a relationship with me, I was open and ready. My wife looked at me like I was crazy. She probably thought God was crazy. 
So I thought about it, and I said, well, you know what? Every, for the longest time, I never listened to God, and all, things, all these things went haywire. I, I, I just went, it was out of control, you know, because I ran the streets my whole life. So I said, I'm going to listen to him. So sure enough, that day he got there. And as hard as it was, I told him that I forgave him, that I loved him, that I was sorry, and that I was ready to start a relationship with him. He looked at me like I was crazy. He was like, you know, because if it was the man that was in me before God came to save my life, it would have been a total different story. But through all that, God has showed me how to forgive on the spot. You know, it's not easy. But when God tells us to do something, it's because he knows what's right for each and every one of us. So that being said, we know that Jesus Christ is born. He came into the world to save us from our sins. And... If we don't ask for forgiveness from our Father, you know, it leads to death. Sin leads to death. So I just want to tell you guys that no matter how hard it is, no matter what, what you have to go through to, to do what you're supposed to do, just listen to God, please, because he always has the right answer. Thank you very much. That's, that's powerful. You know, what Larry shared is, is part of the, the change that we're talking about. It's part of the change that Christ brings. And I know we celebrate Christmas and, and all the things around Christmas at this time of the year, but Jesus came. He came to change us. He came to bring change and transformation. You know, we're not talking about a, a Christmas present, right, that we, that we use for a few months, right, and set aside, right, which probably describes most of the gifts we get. Right, we're talking about transformation that comes through Christ our King. And when the King comes, like we see in Larry's life and in others' lives, and in your life probably too, when the king comes, lives are altered. You know, although Jesus came in humble surroundings, right, he came on Christmas Day to change everything. He came to make our lives richer, more full, more meaningful. He came to restore us to the Father, as Larry said, and give us purpose and he came to change the world around us. As Pastor Rick Warren puts it, the good news of Christmas is both personal and it's universal. Personal and universal. 
That's why in verse 10 and 11 of Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, it says, I bring you, I bring you good news of great joy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. It's personal. He wants in on your life. Jesus came to bring salvation to you, to you, and to you. Will you let him in? If you do, God says in Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove, I will remove from your heart I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Then the angel in Luke 2 goes on to say, this will be for all people, everyone, everywhere, both Jew and Gentile. See, the message of Christmas is personal, but it discriminates against no one. It is meant for everyone. And this is the beauty of Christmas. This is what we celebrate tonight. This is why 2,000 years after his humble birth in a small town in the middle of nowhere, halfway around the world, right, millions celebrate with us the baby that changed everything. The angel says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for sending your Son. Lord, we were lost hopeless without him, lost in our sin, right? And you, you saw us, and even while we were sinners, you sent your son to this earth to come and to, to teach us and to live with us, to be with us, and to die for us. We thank you for your, the birth of your, your son, Lord, Emmanuel, where you came to us, and we pray, Lord, that we would receive you with open arms, that in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, we would submit to you, and we would accept you into our, our lives, and um, that you would renew us and restore us and reconcile us. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the true meaning of Christmas this season. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all of these things, Lord. We pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen.